Good morning. It's great to see all you here today. Good morning to those of you joining us online. We're glad you're joining us. Um, have you ever had a moment in your life where you've had a severe crisis and you lay down all self-consciousness and you just are in that moment and you're calling out to God? I remember having such a moment with the birth of Lydia. She uh, didn't make it to the delivery room. The nurse and I got to deliver her in the hallway. That in itself was an experience I never wanted to have. And so um, she's delivered, and she began to turn purple. Now, we named her Lydia. It means worker purple, but I didn't want her to turn purple. And she wasn't getting oxygen. Both her lungs were full of fluid because Vicky delivered her so fast that it didn't push the fluid out. So she's sitting there basically suffocating. And all of a sudden, you know, you go from that joyous moment, right, to this, oh, no. And I remember grabbing my wife's hand, who was out of it, as most mothers are when they've just delivered a baby, and I said, we need to pray. And I began to pray out loud. All inhibitions were gone. My big concern was, Jesus, we need you here. We need to, you need to touch this little girl. And I realized my utter dependence on Christ at that time. You ever have an epiphany moments in your life? That was one of them for me where I thought, I will never, ever be ashamed of the gospel. I will, I'll be a very outspoken person, and I'm not going to re- just rely on a crisis to get me to do that. And, and one of the things I want to just say to you today is this. We're completely reliant on God at all times. We may not recognize it or acknowledge it, but we are. And we need him. Every hour we need him. Every day we need him. Every event we need him. I remember the old song that was sung at church, um, um, a while back, I'm, I'm dating myself here. It's called, Lord, I Need You. And it goes like this. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Remember this, some of you? Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. And I remember how significant that song became to me. In, in some of my early things in life. Just the power of that verse. Oh, Lord, I need you every hour. I need you. You know, you're my righteousness. You're my one defense. And then you contrast that with what's going on in the world. And um, I grew up in the Beatles uh, era. Some of you did also. And some of you know them because they've been popular forever. And John Lennon penned a song, Imagine, which I think has been devastating. It's a very catchy thing. Because he sings well, right? The tune catches you, gets into into your mind. But listen to his lyrics now. Contrast that with what I just shared with you. He says, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. This is devastatingly depressing. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no country. He says, this isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for. And no religion too. He's blaming things on religion. And granted... Religion has done long, wrong things. But the problem is sin, friends, not a misuse of religion, because misuse of religion is sin. Imagine all the people living in peace. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one to me. I hope you join me. I listen to that song. I go, ah, it drives me nuts. And it's so catchy. And somehow songs bypass some of our defense systems, and we sing them. It's a bad song. All right, I'm not here to blast a song. So we're on this message today from Psalm 124. And when I was looking at Psalm 24, it's like, it's saying, imagine there was no God. How devastating that would have been. Imagine if he didn't help us where we would have been. It's just 
opposite of Lennon's song. Imagine how terribly off we would be if there was no God. At its core, Psalm 124 teaches us, 124 teaches that you can depend on God. And teaching you to depend on God, the psalm takes you, what I call, up some stairs of enlightenment to this peak and then down some stairs of enlightenment. And we put that together into a picture. I think it pictures. I can't help it. So I'm reading Psalm 124, which we're going to talk on this morning, and I'm thinking, this is the staircase of dependence. It shows what dependence on God is built on. It shows us how to be established in it. It shows us what we should do presently. And it shows us how it gives us a future outlook. And you can see the, the graph behind me. To me, that's an outline of dependence. Now, in your note-taking guide this morning, you're going to fill in some blanks. You're going to use this to do that, okay? We're not going to put the lines up. You're just going to fill them in from this chart here, or from this diagram behind me uh, this morning. But if we want to be deep in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if we really take to heart this art of being unordinary, um, dependency on God is absolutely essential, amen? You've got to be one who's not only dependent on him in a crisis, but every hour. That there's this keen awareness of what God has done in your past that will affect your confidence of God in, in, the, in the future. Now, Psalm 124 is a song of ascents. Uh, it's one of those psalms that, that form a collection of psalms known as Psalms of Ascent. Okay, so I say song of ascent, psalm of ascent. I know it sounds very similar, but you get what I'm saying, okay? There's, there's in the Bible, 15 psalms, Psalm 120 through 134, that form a collection of psalms that were called songs of ascent. And they were sung as the pilgrims would make their way back to Jerusalem. It was kind of like they would go up there singing and rejoicing. And, and, and what I'm going to read to you is one of the psalms that was used in that kind of manner. So listen to Psalm 124. We're going to look at how to be more dependent on Christ. Because if we're really going to become unordinary people, dependency has to be at the core of our relationship with God, okay? So now listen to Psalm 124. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. The floods would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the follower's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So, in my mind when I read this, I thought, this is like taking us on this staircase kind of understanding of dependency. There's this past perspective that it establishes. There's this present reality we're supposed to live out. And then there's this future, you know, that we're supposed to enter into understanding these things that, that really fostered dependency. And I, I can't tell you uh, uh, this enough, friends in Jesus. We must be utterly dependent on our God. We can't depend on the government. We can't depend on other institutions. we got to be utterly dependent on whom? Our God. Okay? So hear this message with that kind of perspective. Let's start here um, with past perspective. Okay? Past perspective. As a follower of Jesus Christ, affirm that the Lord's presence makes a difference in your life. Okay? 
Dependence starts by acknowledging, God, you've moved in my life. You've done some things in my life. I'm going to bring those to memory. I'm going to recall those occurrences because they create in you a sense of dependency. The psalmist, which is David here, who, who penned Psalm 124, he encourages Israel, acknowledge and affirm the difference that God has made in your life. And he said, if the Lord not before, that, that, that word if is little, but it has big implications. He said, look it, if God had not come through, look where we would have been. We would have been devastated. We would have been swallowed alive. The floods would have come over us. You know, and he gives all, all, these, all these pictures. If the Lord had not been on our side, as verse 3 says, we would have been swallowed alive. In other words, he's saying we would be dead. Now, if you notice this, um, the psalm starts out with, if the Lord had not been on our side, then he says, repeat after me. So it's like David's a song leader. Remember, this is a what? Song of ascents. So David is like a choir leader. He's saying, if the Lord had not been with us, he's kind of like singing it out, then they were supposed to sing back. If the Lord had not been with us, uh, then we would have been swallowed uh, alive. I... I was reading this uh, psalm in various versions. And so what we read it this morning is the New International Version. And I loved the, the message version. It's a paraphrase. So it's an author's interpretation. But it, it really spoke to me. Um, it said this. If God hadn't been for us. Now listen. All together now Israel sing out. If God hadn't been for us when everyone went against us we would have been swallowed alive. See, it's a song. So I like that he put in there, everyone sing out. Um, it's a meant to be sung. It's a song of a sense. If the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive. That's affirming that the Lord's presence is key. That is, it, it, it's, it's there and it's always active. Um, we have to live in the awareness of our utter dependence on the presence of God, no matter what we're going through, whether it's a mountaintop experience or a valley experience, the Lord is there. Amen? One person said amen. Good for you. All right, let's go on to point number two here. Affirm the Lord's protection in your life. I think the psalmist used striking flood imagery here uh, to highlight the God's protection. If the Lord had not been with us when men attacked, it, it says the, that they would have swallowed us alive. But then it gets into all this water kind of imagery. I'm a Minnesota boy at heart. I knew water really well. You know, um, uh, just the other day we were up at our lake and we got six inches of rain like in, in, in half a day. Do, do you all in Berkey's remember what that's like? I mean, it's a distant memory kind of back there a few years. But man, I thought, woo, this is rain. Our whole yard turned into a river. It was just flowing down there. I thought, I haven't seen this like in a decade. And I um, used to see it all the time when I was, a, was a, up there in my younger days. But the psalmist says, if, we, if, if God hadn't been there protecting us, uh, we would have been swallowed alive. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent swept over us. And raging waters would have swept us away. It's not referring to lake time. It's referring to torrential storm time, tsunami time, um, to, you know, something that, that actually gets your attention. So I got a story. I could be more free now because Vicky's not in the service anyway, right? She was here first hour. I'd have to tame it down when she's here. But anyway, Vicky uh, went on a European trip. That's my wife, if you're wondering who this Vicky is. She's my wife. She works at the information center. Uh, it, sometimes you should just go over there. Hi, Vicky, Steve Norrie's wife. I'd like you to do that. Just embarrass her like crazy. At any rate, so, because she likes to stay in the background, I like to bring her to the forefront. Um, so she goes to Europe, right? And she's traveling there with Brianna, my 
daughter and Carlia, my daughter-in-law and two grandsons, Eli and, and uh, Jackson. And they're doing this trip and she loves to hike. If you get to know Vicki, she's a hiker. When she says hike friends, she means 10 to 20 mile hikes, which every time she says that, I go, oh God, give me grace. Strengthen this feeble body. No, anyway, you follow because it's always, a, it's always a, an adventure. Okay, I'm going to side tension on you a little bit. So we go on this 15-mile hike in the High Line by Logan Pass and the mountains. I go out there. It's 15 miles. Are you getting this? It's all up and down. It's, it's mountain hiking. And you get to the last half a mile, and it goes up 800 feet. And I said, I'm done. I'm not going. You go look at the glacier, honey. I'm going to lay in this rock. And she said, are you okay? Well, I said, my chest kind of hurts. She goes, because, ah! you know, I've had the heart stuff. Are you going to die? No, if I do, I'm okay. God, take me home, you know, because I got seven and a half miles to go home. I'm thinking of the return trip. You're thinking of looking at a glacier. I don't care about the glacier. How about you, amen? You with me? Right now, I said, you're going to tell your doctor, what, that I took a break on a 15-mile hike? So I told my doctor, and he looked at me like, what are you talking about? The people in here can't walk a block. Okay, okay, whatever. Anyway, so she wants to hike. Nobody wants to hike with her on this vacation, so she... Goes on a hike on her own in Barcelona, on a Montserrat hike. She goes in the, and she and I saw the pictures. It's gorgeous. It's like the staircase going up between mountains. It looked like a funnel, the perfect funnel. And you know what? It is. And so she's gone this hike and she's up in this mountainous area. And guess what hits? A storm. Not not a drizzle. It was a torrential rainstorm. So pretty soon she said it was like waterfalls everywhere and the steps are no more. It's just a river coming down this thing because they put the stairs in the easy spot, which is where the water likes to go to, right? Amen? So she does what a good hiker does. She looks for higher ground. So she's climbing up the side of this mountain, you know, in this torrential rain. And she finally finds a tree and she hugs the tree. And that's what's keeping her there. And then um, she tried to go up, and she gave up a couple times. And then some kids came. I call them kids because they're 20 years old. Okay, so if you're that age, you know, good for you. They're sliding down the side of the mountain in this rain to this plateau that's about 40 feet above her. And they kind of land there, and they stay there. And she's trying to get to them, and she can't. She tried four or five times. Finally, she said, I'm just going to hug this tree. Well, this rain happens. Right? This went on for about 20 minutes. So then the rain kind of subsides, and there's a sign there that says, if you need help, call this number. So some of the younger hikers from the area said, we need to call this number. And they said, a rescue crew to get them. They call them the bombers over there? I don't know what bombers mean. It means rescuer, I guess, in whatever Barcelona is. You know what I'm following saying? So she had to be rescued and led down the side of the mountain. Now, I didn't know any of the story. In fact, they were filtering me out of the story, my kids. They kind of knew some of it as it was going on because they didn't know if I'd worry. I said, you know what? I just expect it with her. (laughs) Seriously. This is something that we would experience if we were hiking. We'd get into some storm and get caught someplace. That is what Vicki Norby does on hikes. She gets in torrential rains and hugs a tree to survive. This to her is fun. To me, it's like, why are we doing this, you know? And so if you have... There's a point to this story. If you have that experience, when you read a psalm like 124, you have a different take on getting caught in the flood or torrential rains or getting swept away. I've been in storms that have been like that where you begin to kind of fear for your safety. 
You just, you know, and, 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 and David was saying here, you know what? What a difference it makes to have God as our protection. He protects us amidst the floods, amidst the torrential things that want to sweep your life away. And he says to all of Israel, sing with me, sing it out that our God, if he had not been on our side, we would have been swallowed alive. Sing it out. If God had not been on our side, we would have been engulfed by the water. Sing it out that the torrential rains would have swept us away if it not have been for God. Sing it out that the raging waters would have taken us down and, and swept us into the river. Sing it out, Israel. Sing it out. That's what he's saying. He is so caught up with God and who God is and his protection. He can't help himself. He's a choir leader here and he's saying in the song of a sense, sing it out, man. Declare it with all your worth. It's good to remember God's past deliverances. It's good to remember all the might have been if it had not been for the Lord because such remembering prepares us for what lies ahead and for reliance on a God of the future. Now, I'm a bit of a nerd. I like, uh, you know, mathematicians and physicists and some of those kinds of things. And I like to read about some of these great men. And when famous French mathematician Blaise Pascal died in 1662, uh, his servant found a scrap of paper hidden in the lining of his coat. It, it turned out to be a testimony of something that happened to the man eight years earlier. Um, from about half past 10 at night to about 12, he experienced the fire of God. He didn't give any explanation. He just experienced God's presence, and he called it fire. And whatever happened to him, that's all he could ever say about it. He didn't accredit it to uh, anything else other than God was moving on his life, and it was a fire. And he put that in his coat to be a constant reminder of the presence of God and what God had done in his life to recall it. When the fire of God comes on you, friends, you need to recall it. It needs to be something that you remember that you give God glory for so that it fuels you for what lies ahead. It gives you confidence in God and it builds your most holy faith. Some of you know Pascal's wager. I love this wager. He was a probability guy. He developed a lot of the stuff that you study when it comes to mathematics, probability, okay? Um, statistics and some of that stuff have his moorings in, in this brilliant man. And this is Pascal's wager. He said this, if God does not exist, one will lose nothing in believing in him. Well, if he does exist, one will lose everything for not believing in him. And some of us have heard that in the modern version. That's Pascal that wrote that. That's a probability uh, you know, thought that's worth memorizing. When the fire of God comes on you, friends, when Jesus burns in your heart, you are never the same. Put it in the lining of your coat. Put it someplace where you recall it frequently. Hang a sign. Do something. But recall it because it instills in you what? Faith. It instills in you depend dependence on God. Um, let's go to this reflection question. I want you to just consider this. Where would you be without God? Just take a moment. Where would you be without God? Don't think about other people. Think about yourself. Where would you be without God? How different would your life look? Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Then he says this, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Do you ever admit to God, apart from you, I can do nothing? Where would I be without you, God? Apart from you, I would do nothing. And if you think you can do okay uh, being apart from Jesus, you need to know Galatians 6.3, which says this. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. You're in a state of deception. It is good to declare, God, without you, I can do nothing. I'm utterly dependent on you. You are my, you are present and you're my protection. So that's kind of a past perspective on this, okay? That's kind of the past perspective. Now let's move to the top of the staircase and let's talk about the present situation of praise. Get this, this is point number three. Praise the Lord. I mean, David in the middle of the psalm praises the Lord, right? He stops and he praises God. Listen to this. Hear what I'm about to share with you. This is, I think, really, really the hinge pin of this message. Listen to this. Praise should always be a present action in God's people. Perceiving what God has done in the past and preparing God's people for what lies ahead. Say that again. Praise should always be a present action in God's people. Perceiving what God has done in the past and preparing them for what he's going to do in the future. Praise the Lord is like this transition between the affirmation and recognition of what God has done to the faithfulness and the steadfastness of knowing that he'll continue to do that in the future. Praise is like that linchpin. It's like the hinge pin. It's like central. Um, you know, and praise always incorporates the promises of God. We, we dwell on the promises of God. For example, God promised in Isaiah 43, 2, that when we pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. We focus and we praise God for these things because we know that in the past he's done that for us and in the future he will continue to do it for us. Um, one of the, my favorite psalms of ascent it is 121. And I'm just going to read that, even though I'm not talking on it. It's just such a great acknowledgement of who God is. It's such a great praise psalm. Listen to this. I lift my eyes to the mountains. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He watches over you, will not slumber. Indeed, he watches over Israel, will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. So when we gather together like this, and we praise God, it's preparing us for what lies ahead. It's remembering what he's done. It's perceiving that we serve a God who's faithful. It's perceiving that we serve a God who's strong and mighty and awesome. We're, me- we're remembering his presence. We're remembering his protection. And it, it, in the present moment, we're declaring those things. And it's preparing us for, for what lies ahead, to be handling it in faith. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. One of the things that concerns me about culture right now, it's so feeling-led. I feel this, I feel that. People making decisions on feelings, and I go, oh my goodness, that is so dysfunctional. And I want to tell you this, people of God, we praise God because of who God is, because he's worthy of our praise, not because we feel like it. We don't, pray, we don't say, I'm not going to praise God today, or I'm not going to do this because I don't feel like it. No. Our feelings slave to our obedience, not the other way around. God is worthy to be praised. The present practice of God's people should always be to praise him. Feelings will follow. They don't lead us. Amen? And if you don't feel like praising him, start praising him, and you'll feel like praising him. 
But don't wait till you feel like it to do what you ought to do. You praise God because of who he is, because of his presence in your life in the past, because of his protection in the past. You praise him, and it's preparing you for the future of whatever comes your way. Amen? Amen. I'm really, I'm going to say I'm convictional on that. And if you don't like to sing, I understand that a little bit. Then praise him out loud. Speak it. Say it. Think it. Lift your hands. Bow your knees. Whatever you have to do, whatever works for you, take that moment and praise the Lord. Be present and praise. Amen? I think we, we, we lose some of the power of God when we don't enter in like that. We become an observer. You're not an observer. You're supposed to be a worshiper. Because worship of God, presence, and protection prepares you for the future with confidence and with a trust of God. So now we're to the future perspective. We're going down the, 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 the staircase there, okay? Um, so what are we supposed to have learned from all this stuff for the future? We're, we're supposed to rely on the Lord's ongoing protection. It's supposed to be kind of our MO. It's supposed to be who we are. It's, 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 it's you know characterize God's people because the reality is friends we're in a spiritual battle and we're not supposed to be on the sidelines we're supposed to be the front front lines so we're going to face hardships we're going to face misunderstanding you know in verse 3 of the psalm that we just read on 124 it talks about angry men attacked them do angry people still attack the people of God today my goodness there's a lot of anger out there we have a very angry culture I mean people in Brookings are angry just because they have some Road construction going on. <laughs> Super aggressive. Oh my goodness. One day I, I like to ride more. I have two motorcycles. I'm living the dream. Anyway, um, so I decide which day I'm going to drive. Which one? One day I'm driving my little dirt bike three times in one little trip. One time the guy looked right at me, pulled out right in front of me, and I yelled, What are you doing? Because I'm, you know, gentle in spirit. Um, you know, but he pulled out right. He looked at me. And it's like he thumbed his nose. I'm mad. I'm mad about this. One time, Vicky and I are trying to walk the Hy-Vee parking lot. You know the little stop sign with the little hash marks? And we step there. Boom! Summer buddy in a big F-150. I own one of those. I love those trucks. And older lady didn't even look. Just boosh through the parking lot. I said, wow. Okay, we better look here. You know, the stop sign is meaningless. And, and, you know, people are angry, and they're going to continue to be angry at God's people. And, and so we got to understand that. we got to rely on God's ongoing protection. Now, protection doesn't mean you, go, you don't go through hard things. You might. You might go through hard things. His protection doesn't keep you from such hard things. It sustains you through them. Sometimes he delivers you. Sometimes he sustains you. But God's protection is always there. God's always with his people. We have three images in, in this psalm of the troubles that we face. I mean, really interesting images. And, and David said he's escaped all three. I call Psalm 124 the great escape psalm because David had all these things come at him and he escaped. Uh, anybody know? I, I use these things. And you probably never watched the movie The Great Escape, have you? No idea. I got to quit doing those old analogies. They don't work. Anyway, so this could be stated this way. God delivers from death, first of all. That's what, what David is saying here. Um, they use the terminology from being swallowed alive. God delivers from being devoured, torn by teeth of the wild animals. And God delivers from being deceived, snared in a trap. I want to talk on this last one with you for just a moment. Snared in a trap. 
David says, I was actually snared. I was actually in a trap. When you're in a trap, you can't deliver yourself. And he's saying, God, deliver me. I actually was trapped, but God was my deliverer. He got me out of the snare. Once you're trapped, you're trapped. So let's talk about this, this, this being deceived, being snared. There's a couple ways we can look at this, I think, that are super insightful for us. One, let's look at it personally. God says he'll keep us from being snared. We just have to be faithfully following and dependent on him, okay? And, and so when you look at something like 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it talks about this very thing, kind of thing. It says this, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is what? Faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. God will deliver you from the thing that seems to want to ensnare you. Will you trust him? Your past should tell you and inform you that he will do that. So as you go in the future and face these things, you can be reliant on the protection of God. But then I realized something else. I'm reading this. I'm going, wait a minute. Much of the world is in a snare right now. They are entrapped. Do we have that understanding and perspective? All right? So you go to Second uh, Timothy 2.26. Well, 24 through 26. Okay, let me read the whole thing for you. It says this. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from what? The trap of the devil. The trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. So this is one of the things I've been saying for the last few years as we get into some of these issues, that when you're dealing with people who don't know Jesus Christ, raising your voice and getting angry and having all this righteous judgment does you no good. They are ensnared, amen? They are under the influence of the devil. We cannot argue them or guilt them or shame them out of that trap. We have to pray for God's deliverance, and we're supposed to go at it with what? Gentleness and hoping that they get saved and having that perspective that, that God loves them, Amen. Does that mean you don't address things? Of course you do. How do you do it, though? You don't go, I've seen too much of that done in the name of Christianity. Stop doing that. We don't do that. We instead, with gentleness, with perseverance, with a perspective that they're snared, we seek to help them. Amen? And I thought, wow, this really informs that part of life. The good news of Psalm 124 is that what might have happened didn't happen. You might have been trapped in sin for the rest of your life if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. You might have been destined for hell if you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason it didn't happen is because the Lord came and he what? Delivered us from Satan. He delivered us from the trappings of the devil. And so we can be reliant upon God's ongoing protection. Philip Brooks, an Episcopal clergyman in the 1800s who wrote the lyrics to Old Little Town of Bethlehem, that's what he's famous for, um, said, I do not pray for a lighter load, but for a stronger back. See, he had the right attitude. We're going to go through some things. God, give me the grace to go through those things. Gail Brooke um, Burkett, author and poet, who she published 400 poems and was a woman of the year in 1954, which is a long time ago now. But she penned this poem prayer. Listen to this. She says, I do not ask to walk smooth paths, nor bear an easy load. 
I pray for strength and fortitude to climb the rock-strewn road. Give me such courage I can scale the hardest peaks alone and transform every stumbling block into a stepping stone. And these guys were on to something. They're saying, God, you know, following you may not be easy, but I acknowledge that you're always going to be there with me and turning what seems to be obstacles and, 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 and you know, trial. You're turning them into stepping stones of dependency and, and you know, reliance upon you. And so everything God will use in our life for our good, if we will turn to him and cry out to him to use it that way. Well, the Psalm 124 begins and ends with uh, a declaration of the importance of God's presence. All right? And I love how it ends. He is the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, who is our helper. Um, And so as we kind of bring this staircase down again and get down to the basic level uh, of God's presence, we're to rely on the Lord's presence no matter what's going on in our lives. Uh, I, I now consider Psalm 124 to be a magnificent psalm. I didn't. When I first started looking, I thought, well, I actually thought, dear Jesus, what have I done? Why am I preaching on this? You know, what do you want to, want to say through this psalm? And now that I've gone through it and struggled with it over the last couple of weeks, I'm just like, I'm enamored with it. It's so powerful in declaration and, 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 and insight and teaching on how to be dependent on God. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We can trust an unknown future to our known God, right? To use an old saying. Um, The Lord here comes from the Hebrew word uh, um, Yahweh, meaning God is our great I am. The I am, the maker of heaven and earth, is there with us. We can face whatever we have to face because of the I am. It's an interesting contrast that takes place in the psalm. It's kind of subtle. Back in verse 2, when when David's talking about these ones that were rose up against him, it, 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 these people, it, it's, it's derived, that word, word is derived from Adam, meaning people of dust. He said, when people of dust rise up against me, I am reliant upon Yahweh, I am the eternal one, the maker of heaven and earth. Are you getting the contrast there? And basically what he's saying is, why do we fret and worry about people of dust so much? Because we're familiar with and in relationship with the, the great I am. So Psalm 124 takes us up and down the staircase of dependence. Step one, you affirm your, your past history uh, of reliance upon God's presence. You affirm God's protection in your past. And you always are giving him glory for that. Be sure to give him glory for that. Look at things that has happened in your life and say, this is not accidental. God's sovereignty did this in my life. And Psalm 115 says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. So because of your love and faithfulness, God, we are uh, saved from such things. Give him glory. Make it a habit to God. Give God credit and glory. Um, and then when you get to the... To, to the uh, to the top step of this dependency, the psalm, praise the Lord. Have a present practice of always praising God. Wherever you are, praise God. Praise him because you perceive what he's done for you in the past and it's preparing you for what he's going to do in the future. Praise God needs to be the standard operating procedure of God's people. Then the first step back down the, the, the staircase of dependency when you get to the future is rely on God's protection and then we're right back to what? His presence. Starts with his presence, ends with his presence. He is Yahweh, maker of heaven and earth, the great I am. Don't rely on yourself. Don't think you're, you're, you're bigger than you are. You know, strap up to Jesus. Um, Muhammad Ali, you remember him, the boxer? He was the first really, what I'd say, great trash talker. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? This man could talk trash, right? Anyway, Muhammad Ali was on a plane once, and the stewardess told him to, you know, fasten a seatbelt. Ali told her, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And this stewardess was quick-witted, and she said, Superman don't need no plane either. Fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> we need to fasten to Jesus, amen? We need to be dependent upon him. We are not super men or women. We are frail, needy human beings that need to fasten ourselves closely uh, to our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some mistakenly think, I'm pretty good, I'll get to heaven. No, you won't. You can't do it on your own. You can't come close to doing it on your own. Acts 4.12 says this about Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Salvation comes only by buckling into Jesus. We've got to be fastened to him. And I want to just bring us to the, a conclusion here that's pretty simple this morning. What a difference dependence on Jesus makes in your life. It's such a different life. You live it for so many different reasons, and you have a different kind of understanding and awareness. I can testify to you this morning that everything good in my life is because I follow Jesus. And I assure you this morning that you can depend on Jesus. He said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. We can depend on this Lord. Amen? Let's pray, and then I'm going to turn to this song that we're about to sing. Wow. Does it encapsulate the message really well? I, Jana said it did, but I had to sing it to really realize how good it is. And so I want you to just think about what I shared with you as we sing this last song and just let it stir your heart. Would you bow your heads for a short prayer? Lord God, I want to thank you for Psalm 124. It really is um, a staircase of dependence. And Lord, we affirm and recognize your presence in our lives and your protection in our lives. And we give you glory this morning, Lord. You're the God who keeps us. You never forsake us. And we thank you for that, Lord. And right now, even in this quiet moment, we purpose to praise you. In this present moment, may our voices be lifted to you in adoration. And may we give you glory to your name. And Lord, we know as we go out from this place that our future perspective is simply this. You're the God who protects and you're the God who's present. And these things all add up, Lord, to living a life of great dependency, which I think is just utterly, utterly essential for us to be people who live an unordinary faith that have realigned lives that bring you glory. God, may you just bless this song, bless it to our hearts, and may you fill this place with your presence and your glory. Amen.